0: turn to is CCS Insight based in the UK. I'm going to be joined by their Chief of Research, Ben Wood.
1: Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. TelecomCareers.com. Comscope, thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business.
0: Welcome back to IoT Innovation. The long-range view and the joining of mobile industry trends is a process that requires deep subject knowledge. One of the leading analysts and research teams based in the UK is CCS Insight, and their chief of research is Ben Wood, who joins me today as my guest what i'd like to talk to you about ben today um, is some of the global and european trends that you're seeing some of the new entrants and also how even existing entrants are struggling to work with iot and deal with the amount of changes that they're seeing in the industry almost on a daily basis so ben welcome and thank you for joining me chris tra- thank
1: you sorry so, uh, hey, well, Chris, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me uh, along. And, uh, you know, it's um, such a, a great hot topic. So, yeah, fire away. Let's uh, let's look at what we're gonna talk about today.
0: Great. So, Ben, you've been tracking the mobile devices space for more years than I care to elaborate because it'll expose how long we've known each other. Um, what are your observations of the current market landscape and some of the players that are joining this and starting to navigate this landscape? Uh, and the clients that you're working with?
1: Well, the the reality is, of course, there's all the usual suspects that are there. So the big ecosystems, the Apples, the Googles, uh, the Microsofts, they're piling into this. But quite frankly, when it comes to IoT, you're limited by your imagination because our vision at CCS Insight is pretty much everything gets connected. But we can look at some of those big players and see what they're doing. you know, clearly, Apple have a very, very uh, vested interest, particularly in markets like North America and the UK, where they're so dominant, and of course, increasingly in other markets like China, um, where a huge opportunity to uh, really reinforce demand for um, the iPhone, which is such a fantastic device for them in terms of margin uh, and in kind of the reach and the versatility of their platform. And initiatives such as HomeKit, in particular, which we heard a little bit about at WWDC. Uh, just just earlier this week, um, really do to speak volumes about the commitment that they're making uh, in this area. For Google, of course, uh, they they want to connect everything because these are all nodes that can feed into the the Google, Google Information Network, uh, and they're making a lot of efforts uh, in, in in numerous uh, different aspects of this. Um, but then, of course, there's some other players uh, involved. Um, all of the enablers, all of the chipset companies, are very involved in this area, uh, and of course. Any kind of appliance makers are very interested as well. Um, the largest provider of white goods in the world. Um, they're already uh, signing up with the uh, All Scene Alliance, um, which provides a framework for all this connectivity, uh, together with tens of other companies um, that are that are based there right now. So there's, there's an awful lot going on. And then one, one final thing before we continue the discussion is um, that... Um, We're seeing some fantastic evidence now of how connected consumers are getting. Uh, We recently did a a survey across six countries, across thousands of end users. We asked them how many connected devices they had in their lives. For individual users, it was somewhere between four or five connected devices. And to be honest, if you think about it, um, think about your own home or your own work life. Um, A smartphone, a tablet, an e-reader, a set-top box, a game console, bang, you're already up to four. And most households, we, we think now are up to 10 or 11 connected devices.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I don't even want to list the ones that, that, that we have in the house or in our lives at the moment. We've just been in the process of setting up the Amazon Echo and then connecting it with the Philips Hue lighting, both of which frustrate my wife no end because it's more things that uh, I have to help her figure out when I'm when I'm traveling, which, of course, is when they stop working. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's Please a massive. You- sorry.
1: You actually read a very interesting point there because, of course, this is the big issue in terms of how you bring all these disparate things together, and that's something we've been thinking a lot about as well. So, um, so for example, I already mentioned the All-Sea Alliance. There's the uh, the, uh, the 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 um, other, other aspects like the Open Interconnect uh, Consortium who are, who are doing stuff in this area as well, um, but from our perspective, we think there are some of the big ecosystems I've already mentioned like Apple and Google who are in a phenomenally strong position when it comes in terms of meshing all of this stuff together and we saw Google for example with Weave um, at um, Google I.O. just the other day um, talking about how they start to see their efforts um, with IOT and I think what was really interesting about that was um, the fact that Most people on the planet now, over 95% of people who own a smartphone have either an Android phone or or an iOS-powered Apple iPhone, and therefore you could make a strong argument to suggest that um, the world is sleepwalking into an era where those are the devices, the main remote control for all of these new connected products, whether it's... Uh, your your new Amazon Echo or your Hue lighting or other aspects. You know it could be your garage door, your security system, your um, home heating and aircon systems, your sprinkler systems, um, and that's something we're thinking long and hard about because it could be that we start to arrive at maybe not the more technology controlling these things, but just the path of least resistance. So um, we, we we certainly think that you know Apple and Google have everything to lose because they're in such a strong position from the perspective that although there's all these connected devices in people's lives, the smartphone is very much the dominant one. Anyway, back to you.
0: Yeah, so I absolutely agree. And of course, uh, my justification at home is I'm buying all of these devices because of research and because of uh, maintaining a, an understanding of what's going on. Um, I'm sure I would buy way less if I wasn't in the industry, at least that, that's what I tell my wife. But, but I think the challenge that I'm seeing is that There there is a huge amount of noise in the wearable space and in the connected devices space. Uh, There's a lot of devices that that people are buying that are relegated to their drawer within a week or two because they really weren't valuable enough to change the way they live their lives. Um, When when I was at CES earlier in the year in Las Vegas, um, I was walking the floor with an executive of one of the large semiconductor companies. We were talking about wearables and he walked past a number of booths that were demonstrating really interesting crazy wearables and all he kept doing was pointing at them and going landfill 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 because his prediction was that the vast majority of these devices would be bought used and discarded inside a couple of weeks what what's what's your take on wearables i mean you're you're uh, you've got a massive uh, twitter following and you're you're very vocal about the wearables industry I mean i'm I'm really interested to know what you think is valid, what is an experimentation and and what's really a waste of a waste of energy at this point
1: well it's um it's an interesting question it's one I get asked a lot actually Chris because um I think people have a perception that i'm I'm some kind of uh you yeah, know massive wearables enthusiast who just adores all of this stuff and actually I'm in a similar situation to the one that you described with kind of your you know collection of assorted connected items inside your home um my challenge is having enough wrist real estate to be able to try all these things at once so you know just to give you an example i've got lots of stuff going on at the moment with all of the different platforms that are out there and that's before we get onto things like you know the wearable cameras and, and all sorts of other gadgets that i'm trying on an almost daily basis um so where are we with wearables right now well, let's think back to your semiconductors colleague who was walking around uh, muttering landfill under his breath. Um, that better not be the case, because uh, he won't be able to get his pension funded. They're, they're relying a lot on this space. Um, however, I think it is a very valid observation in terms of where we are today. Um, so, to characterise the the market on wearables today, um, we've been looking at it very very closely for the last couple of years, and I, I did a A keynote um, back in 2013 and I talked about the wearable space very much in the context of two dimensions the first one was that this is a segment which undoubtedly is characterized by um, a lot of big companies placing a lot of hope on what wearables can deliver for them and they're hoping that wearables will maybe be able to add a bit of glamour to rather unsexy smartphones which quite frankly these days are all looking the same they've somewhat plateaued you can do some things around the edges you know the height of innovation this year was a, a, a dual curve display uh, the two edges nicely chamfered away but slightly better cameras slightly better screens um slightly uh you know optimized camera etc. cetera but the reality is the smartphones kind of peaked
0: it also makes but it
1: if you can introduce normal. the wearable well that's true and that that depends uh you know obviously if you're Cranking some heavyweight data, you've got a, a hand warmer all the time. But um, the, um, the other um, element of that is the fact um, yeah, if you can add a bit of glamour through an interesting um, wearable device, and, and a lot of manufacturers even are just looking at these wearables and it provides you some bundles in the marketplace, it's very, very interesting. But together with the first dimension of hope, there's another dimension which is hype. And this is a market that is absolutely full of hype right now. However, I also think a lot of the people who have been critical of the wearable space are taking a somewhat short sighted view because, um, as you say, you know, going back many, many, many years, almost a couple of decades, you know, to when mobile phones and cell phones were really starting to take off. You know, look at the uh, early 1990s. uh, We didn't know what a cell phone was going to be. And we went on a very interesting, uh, accelerated journey of innovation from candy bars, to clamshells, to sliders, to twisters, to all sorts of different funky devices until we got to the monoblock touchscreen. And, uh, you know, Steve Jobs pulled the iPhone out of his pocket in January 2007 and everything changed. So I characterize the wearables market today as really being in the stone age, uh, you know, and, and and honestly, they're all pretty poor products. Um, let's drill down into it a bit more though. We, we also have to be aware of the fact that you can segment wearables. Um, so the average consumer, uh, the Apple Watch now is synonymous with what wearables will be, or something like a Fitbit. But there's a lot more dimensions to it than that. There's whole different segmentations around smartwatches, very basic smartwatches, which can be uh, kind of more like a watch and you know just with some simple alerting capabilities and long battery life, things like the Withings activity or the Martian notifier would be great examples of that category. Uh, then you've got the more fully featured smartwatches, Apple Kings of the Hill. There, I'll talk about them in a minute, but also Android Wear, uh, with regards to what's going on uh, with that platform. But then we've got the fitness bands, uh, Fitbit, you know, doing extremely well there. But other people challenging, Garmin, um, Jawbone, um, and, and, and others in that space. Uh, and not least to mention some of the Chinese manufacturers, Xiaomi, coming out with their My Band at uh, about 15 bucks, hugely competitive. Um, but also other things where there's more verticalized uh, opportunities. So, for example, smart glasses. But let's break them down. Firstly, everyone wants to know about Apple Watch, uh, and I would say, you know, having been using Apple Watch for you know quite some weeks now, um, out of the box, as someone who's used you know about twenty different smart watches probably over the last uh, three four years. Um, there's not that much disruption in terms of something on your wrist which can tell you the time or it can uh, uh, tell you who's calling you or tell you uh, a text messaging update or an update from your social network but the magic of apple watch comes from the sheer momentum that apple has now they had a bit of a misstep with the supply but they're still going to sell millions and millions and millions of these devices we had an original expert ex- uh, estimation of about 20 million um I'm not sure it's necessarily going to get that high now, but it's certainly be in the ballpark of 15 by the end of the year. Um, That's the biggest addressable market. market
0: How they are going to be buying?
1: Well, we'll have to see. But uh, if you think about a, a target device with millions and millions of users, Apple can use one of their most valuable assets. And that's the developer community. Uh, and the developer community gravitates towards Apple. We didn't hear anything at WWDC about the number of apps, but I can tell you it'll be in you know thousands and thousands, you know, many, 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 between you know 10,000 probably already. Uh, the support for native is coming. And what you can do with the what is is ultimately limited by your imagination. And if three or five groundbreaking, uh, really category-changing apps emerge on Apple Watch, that will set them up. But don't think about things like just us and uh, you know basic content coming onto your watch. Think about the whole ecosystem implications of the fact that the watch uh, uh, can be something that can really make your life a little easier. You constantly have to think about the half a second between pulling a phone out of your pocket and turning it on and having the watch ready to go on your wrist. Pay is obviously a major factor in that. But the other examples to give are things like um, the work Apple's been doing with the Starwood Hotel Group. Uh, you know, Here's a classic example of internet things, multiple endpoints being connected. Your watch can be given the identity as your key card. Uh, the locks in the doors are programmed to receive your watch. And anyone who's watching this who's a regular traveler will have plenty of horror stories to tell about those Cheap, nasty, you know, plastic hotel key cards that you get, which you know, you put them in the pocket with your phone and that's it. You've got a hell of a walk back down to reception to sort it out. A watch in that environment, you know, it's it's kind of hands-free as well because of the fact that you haven't got to hold something in your hand, you've got a bag in your hand, you've got a coffee in your hand, bang, you can just tap the door and it's open. That's a fantastic thing. Uh, think about other things. You know, all of the loyalty card programs, um, I think that's phenomenal. If you take another kind of a view of this highly connected environment that we're gonna live in. Um, you walk into Starbucks, you walk into uh, uh, you know, a hotel again or into a store, um, there's a beacon above the, the booth for customer service the payment uh, area. And literally as you get there, the right contextual card comes up on your watch. So the barcode that's relevant to your loyalty card in the hardware store or wherever it happened to be um, appears. So. Near-term, yeah, Apple Watch has got some challenges to excite people but I think the long-term implications of the scale of that ecosystem are massive. As for Android Wear, we we can't ignore that. They've made some significant improvements in the latest update to Android Wear, even some basic usability improvements whereby you can get through cards on the phone just by a flick of the wrist, um, which again gives you much better use in terms of um, the utility of the device. Um, Also, the ability for the device to work autonomously. You can now have a Wi-Fi connection that can bridge across to your phone. So if you've left your phone somewhere, but you've got Wi-Fi access, you get the alerts uh, from that device as as well. So that's the smartwatch space. Um, In terms of the bigger opportunities in kind of the vertical markets, one area I am super excited about is augmented reality glasses. And uh, the the reason I'm excited about that is I'm starting to see some really, really interesting implementations. Um, There's a company called Vuzix that I'm sure you're more than familiar with, Chris, and they have an augmented reality glasses um, solution, uh, the M100. Uh, Based on the research we've been doing, just about every blue company, uh, particularly in Europe, but also in North America, has got a sample of that device, and they're doing skunk works, they're hacking around, seeing what they can do. I'll give you one vertical where this is gonna make a big difference, fulfillment. There are a lot of great big sheds trying to get product out to customers, and uh, you yeah, know the, the leaders in that space are Amazon. Uh, if you've got a shed that's the size of you know 10 football pitches, and uh, you've got uh, a situation where you've got millions and millions of product lines that you're managing, um, taking control of that is really, really tough. A pair of augmented reality glasses immediately delivers numerous benefits. Um, firstly, uh, you can do things as simple as just looking at a parcel and reading the barcode and getting that straight up on your heads up display. You can get more navigation uh, in those buildings so you can actually quickly go off and find products. Uh, fulfillment in terms of you know, actually getting devices out is about 20% of the total cost of actually uh, delivery and everything else but 50% is picking of that 20%. And uh, that's definitely um, um, that's, that's, that's definitely a situation that um, yeah, we can kind of uh, you know, look at. Uh, um, the other thing um, I think in terms of picking is um, looking very much at, um, very much at um, the, the fact that it will tell you which product goes where, and it can also overcome some of the issues in terms of language. Um, there's a situation where a lot of migrant workers work in these places, and uh, I think that that's going to make a big, big difference in terms of telling them what they can do. Take it further, you can do things like you can look at a package and you can know if it's fragile, hazardous, or it's really heavy. You can do clever things like working out how to pack um, items into a van as well, a so-called Tetris packing. We've all played the game of moving the blocks around and getting them to the right space. Uh, tetris packing is pretty cool Um, and so it goes on and on and on even the last meter delivery someone with glasses can have a google street view come up into front of them and what that can then deliver is the ability to um, actually point them specifically to which door where something goes and when someone opens the door you could do a facial scan if it's a high value delivery or you could at least just take a photograph of someone which is way better than a signature when it comes to confirmation
0: yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the the um, the the glasses because um, I have a I have a set of Google Glass that I played with long enough to see where the technology is going, uh, but it certainly wasn't something that I saw a uh, personally a um, lifestyle application on an on an everyday purpose on an everyday level. But certainly from a supply chain perspective, um, you know we were we were very deeply um, you know in. in Time in supply chain at Sony, we were very heavily involved in in an automated and semi-automated um, hub of, for our supply chain in Hong Kong, where we were handling literally hundreds of millions of components a week. And certainly, these kind of benefits and changes in in IoT for industrial industrial wearables, I think you're exactly on the money. So, so picking up on the on the uh, if you like the AR VR um, situation that that started with Google Glass. Um, ben maybe you can speak for a couple minutes on what are you what are you seeing or what are you thinking about the uh, the amount of activity in the virtual reality space right now. What do you, where do you see that going over the next couple of years?
1: Virtual reality is so exciting. It's, it's, it's interesting you, you bring that up Chris. I kind not of really been prepared for it but yeah, if you look at this product, for example, this is the uh, the Gear VR that's come in from, um, uh, from, from from Samsung. I've been using both generations of this, experimenting with Google Cardboard. This is a remarkable piece of kit. So, you know, with this simple headset now, I can just take a standard Samsung phone and I can have a really, really strong experience. And, of course, this has been developed in partnership between Samsung and Oculus. And... Uh, One of the things that's really interesting on this particular thing is, if you you are in any doubt whether virtual reality is going to change our lives, just remember that Facebook dropped $2 billion to buy Oculus. Um, And this very, very immersive experience, I think, is going to be groundbreaking. So the first thing I'd say is you have to think about it as something extremely different to augmented reality. And that's why I focused on that kind of vertical market opportunity. It's a very specific thing. We may see it going more mainstream with something like HoloLens that Microsoft, of course, are working on, and some of my colleagues have tried that product and have been pretty blown away. But the virtual reality, where it's totally immersive, you know, you really just take yourself into a new world, um, takes it into all sorts of different dimensions and it affects so many different industries so obviously gaming is the place which is probably the low hanging fruit that's where a lot of this is going to stop um but um at ccs insight we've been developing a hypothesis where we talk about the fact that um we believe we'll move into a world where people think about the content on these devices as the see what i saw content yeah you go on a vacation you've got a 360 and sixty-degree. Degree camera with you, and immediately people will say, Hey, hang on, stop. That's crazy. Well, you know, GoPro sold 5.2 million cameras last year that people stuck on their heads and their helmets and those and on their bikes. Um, People didn't refer to them in the kind of way that they referred to the Google Glass users. You know, that is totally socially acceptable. It's not going to be far from that kind of camera to a mount that then has the 360 degree capability. And hell, I can go off on a trip of a lifetime into the Amazon rainforest or take an open-top bus tour around Tokyo or New York or London. I can capture all of that moment and I can share that immediately with my community. And the other thing is you don't need one of these great big, you know, this is a relatively expensive, you know, $200 accessory. You can use Google Cardboard, which will cost you just a few bucks. Go online, go search one, you can stick your phone into that. And this is immediately accessible. So when we've been modeling the potential size of this market, we're quite excited about what's not just happening in mature markets like North America and Europe, but also in emerging markets where you know, it's not going to be difficult for people to buy a very, very inexpensive viewer to pair up with the smartphone, which we know a lot of people are spending a disproportionate amount of their disposable income on, and start to get involved in this. So think of it like this. Yeah, yeah gaming is going to start, but someone like Facebook, they want you to get, inside your timeline they want it to be totally utterly immersive and at the same time you've got content owners who see this as a whole new way of uh uh, sharing stuff so you are going to see um many many movies exploiting this technology in the coming 12 months i would be astounded if we don't see a big franchise like the James Bond franchise or Iron Man or one of those where they don't produce some kind of short trailer to promote their film. You know, James Bond film, you could be sitting in the back of the car of the central car chase, able to look around and experience the whole thing from a backseat view in, 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 in right inside that film. So watch this space. It's a technology that I think is one of the most disruptive I've seen for a very long time. And everyone I talk to and everyone I show this to and, you know, thank you to Samsung for creating a device which is so portable and such high quality, even this second generation device. You know, they are making it possible for people to start experimenting with this and working out how it's going to, you know, shape the landscape in the future.
0: Yeah, we, we, we totally agree. I mean, we're seeing Google and Samsung, HTC and others as well as obviously Oculus with Facebook really putting a lot of money and and attention to this, and I think you're right that the industry is going to explode in this area. I mean, just based on the uh, picture that you've got on the wall behind you, I I mean, the the cockpit view from NASCAR or Formula One to me would be very, very exciting. And I think that's where you get to the point where it's truly immersive across not just uh, passive and active gaming, but also so many other areas. Um, Just just to finish off for a couple minutes, Ben, maybe one of the, you know, we talked about virtual reality. We've talked a little bit about evolution of cameras and, and other ex, what had started out as accessories and then became mainstream components. Um, maybe if you could finish up by touching on what, what are the some of the other trends that you see? or two-part question, maybe. One is what trends are you seeing that you can summarize in terms of other technology areas that are evolving? And then maybe to finish by saying which category of company has surprised you most by becoming a client and you don't need to name them of course but a client of ccs insight in the last six months because what's fascinating to me is how every walk of life every industry is suddenly getting into this space and needing the awareness that that uh, that, that that you you and your team have had from the wireless perspective
1: um wow that's a lot of questions Sorry, yeah. <laughs> let's start with uh yeah. Let's start with technologies, um, so maybe I, I, I painted a bit of a gloomy view about the outlook for the humble mobile phone uh, and, I, and I do believe you know, we have kind of reached a dominant form factor with you know, this type of product and this type of product where you know, you're seeing devices essentially at, at a distance and at a glance all look the same it's a monoblock device with a camera and battery and those sorts of things but that's not to say that innovation isn't possible in this category Um, I get asked this a lot so here's two areas that I've been thinking about with my clients screens and cameras screen technology as you will know because you were at CES as well we saw some remarkable things from Sharp for example freeform displays the ability to have shapes displays of any shape that you like So no longer are we gonna be uh, constrained to uh, the kind of product that we can see here, uh, where we have this single rectangular style display. Um, Because the reason this is engineered like this is because all the electronics go around the outside of it. The sharp solution, you start to embed the electronics underneath the pixels, you can cut it any way you want, and you start to get some very, very interesting effects. Uh, The early examples of this are appearing in Places like uh, Automobile, where we see uh, you know, the dashboards with all sorts of different beautiful shapes that are implemented. Um, but also, you know, curved displays. Um, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, we're seeing some very interesting work being done by all the screen manufacturers in terms of how we wrap displays. And this has played in an interesting way on the latest Samsung devices. The S6 Edge, of course, has the dual-curve display. But I'm much more interested in terms of the impact that it has on, these wearable products where we can see screens that actually wrap ergonomically around your wrist. And there are so many different benefits to that, uh, not least the fact that yeah, it's a very, very visually engaging metaphor if you've got a kind of active screen that's wrapped around you, uh, but also allows you to display information in all sorts of ways. But the other one I'd highlight is um, cameras. Um, we've seen a remarkable amount of process on uh, cameras on cell phones uh, and tablets. Um, you know all the way back to you know well, I remember the days when we had you know simple vga you know sub megapixel cameras you know now we're talking at tens of megapixels optical image stabilization um, all sorts of other techniques uh, making it possible to take some really really fantastic photographs but depth photography which is something that htc dabbled with with the uh the m8 uh, but more importantly on on this particular product here so this is the uh, Dell Venue 7, 8, uh, 8 7000 I think it is. Uh, but what's interesting about this particular device is the fact that maybe you can see at the back there, there is the Intel RealSense camera and that's a camera that kind of has two specific inputs into it. Um, and what that allows you to do is some pretty funky techniques. So it gives you the ability if you want to, to actually uh, measure particular dimensions on something and I don't know whether the viewers will be able to see this I'll try and make it work But here's a picture of a parcel that I took and simply by touching two places on the parcel um, I can actually determine uh, The length of the device so Chris if you can see that the viewers can see that uh, Insofar as yeah, you can see the width of that parcel there it's showing that it's a, a seven inch width map. Just imagine as this technology gets miniaturized, you know, as a glasses Where, if we go back to my augmented reality scenario, it's not difficult to put uh, cameras at both ends of uh, a pair of glasses. It's not difficult to implement this kind of thing into webcams, into cell phones, all sorts of different things. And all of a sudden you're adding absolutely incredible utility uh, to the camera function that we haven't seen before. Uh, of course, then you think about how cameras are used in augmented reality and all sorts of other areas. It's a very, very exciting time. In terms of um, interesting companies that we're working with, uh, kind of you name it, they're coming and talking to us. Um, and I think you know, you and I over the years have talked to some very, very interesting companies. One that I would highlight that I think is specifically very interesting, or a few areas, the the toy industry. Is one that I'm looking very, very closely at right now. We've we'll been doing some work with people in the toy industry. This spans everything you can think of. It spans wearables for kids. It spans, um, you know, interactions with tablets. It spans all sorts of sensors. You know, particularly RFID is you know a, a big area, of the NFC stuff, uh, which is driving some innovation there. Media companies, of course, are constantly looking at what they can do. Um, I was with a tire manufacturer the other day. How about that? You know, they're saying, well we want to transform our business. A tyre manufacturer, what do they do? They make a commodity product and they're getting attacked from all fronts. Uh, And like most companies are getting attacked by the Chinese in particular. Well, how do you add value to a tyre? Well, turn it from being a product to a service. Put a sensor into a tyre and all of a sudden uh, you have something which is a very, very different opportunity. And if you think about it in commercial vehicles, in terms of, yeah, if you can optimise the lifetime and the performance of tyres, whether that's, fuel consumption or safety or other elements that's absolutely massive um, another example company that makes massive agricultural machinery uh, yeah think of tractors and those sorts of things they don't want to sell tractors anymore in fact most people don't buy them they lease them now how about you put a lot of sensors and communications into those types of devices and all of a sudden you can again start selling a service yeah you buy the track the common harvester but actually the company you bought it off can consult you in all sorts of different ways. They can do predictive servicing. Uh, they can do things in terms of you know helping you if you're working with particular crops to make sure you're optimizing the settings on the vehicle that you're using. So yeah, you know, as I always said with technology, I think that with connectivity, which is basically the lifeblood of the Internet of Things, um, you're limited by your imagination. Back to you, Chris.
0: Yeah, thank thank you, Ben. And, and just to echo that um, yeah, pun, I guess in, indirectly intended with it with Amazon. Um, you know, I, we, we met recently uh, with a, a technology company that's known for its weather data, and I'll kind of leave it there as far as who, who that might be. And you know, they've been focused on building a massive library of data around um, environmental information, which, which most commonly we refer to by switching on the TV and seeing whether it's gonna rain or not today. But whereas that might be, be minorly important to us as a consumer, take an umbrella or take your sunglasses. Um, It's it's critically important if you're in an agricultural setting where you're deciding how and when to work with your crops to get the best yield. And so, you know, we don't have time to talk about it today, but maybe in another show, Ben, I'd like to to have you back and maybe we can get into the whole discussion on on analytics because um, certainly our view as we were putting this series of programs together is that there is a massively uh, low level understanding of the analytics and the contextual data around this industry right now. And that's really where the the value is is gonna come from, as we've already seen by the the activity from people like Google and Apple. So so with that, Ben, um, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me. Um, it's It's been great to chat with you for a little while and um, uh, good luck and look forward to seeing you uh, somewhere in the world in the next few weeks. Um, next week we're planning to pick up on one of Ben's comments regarding the uh, the semiconductor industry and how the architecture of these devices uh, is, is really driving uh, changes at both a, a chip level and a security level. Um, so we're going to be talking with uh, someone from the semiconductor industry and starting to explore how they are looking at the IoT industry as it's growing from small as devices that are as small as phones or as small as watches even, but, but are growing to be IoT devices that include vehicles. So with that, um, thanks again, Ben, and uh, look forward to seeing you next time.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: IoT Innovation is a production of RCR TV. To reach Chris Hare or suggest a show topic for IoT Innovation, you can reach Chris at cbh at ntete.com. To find out more about IoT Innovation and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.